0: Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome, such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So, grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma Informed Parenting, a coffee break podcast. Hi, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to this edition of Trauma Informed Parenting. Today, we are going to continue our topic of felt safety, but I'm going to talk about three things you need to know about felt safety the parent edition. So this is for you adults. Last week we talked about felt safety for your kiddos. So if you miss that one, you might want to go back and start with that one and then listen and then listen to this one. I'm going to read you though the same definition I started with last time, felt safety. This means that adults arrange the environment and adjust their behavior so children can feel in a profound and basic way that they are truly safe in their home and with us. Until a child experiences safety for his or herself, trust cannot develop and healing and learning won't progress. We offer felt safety so healing may begin. That's from the connected child. So if you take that same definition and parents, you put yourself in there until you experience safety, trust can't develop. And maybe that trust is even with yourself and how you regulate and how you handle things and how you parent your children, because we parent our children through the lens That we view life based on our beliefs not often it's not based on reality it's just based on our beliefs but I'm getting ahead of myself so how do you provide felt safety for yourself parent for you and why do we need to provide felt safety shouldn't the fact that we are basically safe from the trauma of our past be enough Well, there are dangers of not providing felt safety. Remember, fear is a bully. It pushes us into a corner and we respond by not being able to self-regulate. When we cannot regulate, our children will mirror our dysregulation. When we cannot regulate, when we're stressed, when our past is directing our present, We have high levels of anxiety, and our cortisol levels rise, causing us to spin out of control. Raising my hand, (laughs) been there, done that. Here's the myth that we need to dispel. You will feel safe because you are safe. I think about myself in this situation, and I'll just be personally honest. I live in a safe environment my husband is a loving caring safe person but when I get under stress my brain and my body will tell me that I need to be anxious and I need to be afraid because of the trauma of my past is then ruling my present and I've learned coping mechanisms. So I'm just being honest. You know, if that's you, if anxiety is ruling your day and you are living in the past and you don't even realize it, it's time to step back and think about that. So whether your fear is based on reality or not, the it triggers the amygdala known as the watchdog of the brain. I talked about that last week. And just as in our children's bodies, Our body also releases that cortisol, and we can stay stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. When cortisol levels are high, it's as if we are in a very anxious situation. Last week on the podcast, I said, if you want to understand your child who is suffering from fear and anxiety, think about the most scary thing that's ever happened to you, and go back there for a moment, and how did you feel? And maybe you're one of those people that are feeling that right now and feeling it on a daily basis. I know that I've gone through weeks and months where I've been feeling that high anxiety and stuck there. In fact, I was to the point where my cortisol levels were super, super high. And that's something that my doctor tests for me every year. So that might be something that you need to look into so that you can... Form some strategies and coping mechanisms to lower that cortisol level. And here's the thing. Anything you try absolutely will not work until you feel safe. You have to work on proactively making yourself feel safe. Fear is a very tricky thing. I said this last week, for our kiddos, it can cut off the executive function of the brain or the upstairs brain where we make logical decisions. Same for us. It will cut that off. And when the executive function of the brain is not working properly, we will stay camped out downstairs and everything will be reactionary. That's what our downstairs brain is. It's reactionary. And if we stay stuck there, you know, a lot of parents reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, what about this behavior? How can I get my child to listen? And you know, I put a survey out on my private Facebook support group and ask parents, you know, what do you need help with? What are you looking for? And that was commonly the thing is like, how can I get my child to regulate? How can I get them to behave? How can I get them to do this? And often it begins with us. Maybe we're not regulating. Ouch, right? Ouch. <laughs> Maybe we are stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. And then we're wondering how do we end the chaos in our home? How do we get to peace? And I want to read you this little quote from the screw tape letters. If you're not familiar with it, the screw tape letters is written from a demon, screw tape to his understudy, Wormwood, who has a patient who is a human being that they're trying to make sure that he's not going to heaven, that he's not serving God. So this is one of the things that he says in one of his letters. There is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. So the enemy would be God. Okay. He wants men to be concerned with what they do Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. I'm going to read that section again. Our business is to keep them thinking about what will happen to them. That's C.S. Lewis, the screw, screw tape letters. So we parents, especially ones we've had this huge trauma history or even little t traumas, Or maybe, like me, you have a capital letter syndrome, we can stay stuck, we can do this by ruminating on what can happen to us next, and it's always based on our fears about the past. Like, this thing happened to me in the past, what if it happens worse tomorrow? Or what if it happens again? Or what if I I am triggered by something, and I have the same reaction I had in the past? Fear doesn't know the difference between the past, the present, and the future. Instead, all three of them just kind of run together. That's why it's so important for us to work on this, providing felt safety for ourselves. Here's something that you can do right now. Ask yourself what you need to feel safe. Often with adults, the answer is difficult to ascertain especially if we've lived in denial that our past is parenting our kiddos. I get it. I i mean, this is huge. I mistakenly assumed that because I had experienced childhood trauma, I would be equipped to parent a child with a trauma history. As my stepfather used to say, that's hogwash. <laughs> that's hogwash. Instead, what happened was My triggers and their triggers wrestled on a daily basis. Something had to give, and it had to be me. I couldn't parent from a base of shame. My past couldn't parent. As Dr. Karen Purvis said, you can't take your child somewhere you haven't gone yourself. I had to go first. I had to find hope and healing before I could lead my kiddos there. And that quotes actually from an article, Three Ways to Overcome the I Learned the Science of Trauma and My Home is Still in Chaos Pitfall. And I will link that in the show notes. Instead of thinking, oh, my kiddo struggles with regulation, think instead, do I struggle with regulation? Do I have any of the six risk factors for trauma? Did my parents co-regulate or did I totally miss that period of my life? What sort of attachment style do I have? Which I'm going to be doing a whole series on attachment styles here pretty soon. Am I reacting to behaviors according to my past or the present? Do I need to reparent myself? And I know there's a whole lot of stuff in those questions. And maybe those are things you're like, "I, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never heard of those things. These are topics that I do have articles on the website, and if you read the show notes for this podcast, I will have those articles linked so you can look into that a little bit. Okay, I'm finally to the meat of this podcast. Three simple ways to provide felt safety for yourself. Number one, arrange the environment to suit yourself. Arranging the environment may be more difficult as a parent, but it's possible to make micro changes. For instance, if loud environments trigger you, decide beforehand, like if you're going to a birthday party, we're going to stay for this long, and then we're going to leave. It's okay to give your child those boundaries of this is what we're going to do, or Skip the party altogether if your child doesn't insist on going. If they're triggered by loud noise, or if it's one of those things where maybe you need to show up for half an hour and then you go, it's okay. Arranging the environment means approaching your fears with gentleness and understanding no matter how illogical they are to other people. I have never done well with large crowds. I love music, but concerts are very difficult for me. And also football games, basketball games, especially when you have the crowd and the noise and you put all of those together. At first, I'm having fun and I'm smiling. And then maybe half an hour later, it's overwhelming for me. And I remember this was in my college days when I was just figuring these things out that what my, some of my triggers were. Didn't figure all of them out then. I'm still figuring them out. But I had gone to, I had come home for the weekend from college and gone to a football game with some of my family. And when we got there, just the overstimulation from the stress of my workload in college, everything that was going on in my life at that time, I was at the ball game for maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes when I had a panic attack. And I sat down, I remember just feeling the chain link fence on my back and I leaned up against that fence and I rolled up on a little ball and my stepbrother David, who was visiting from Colorado at the time, he sat down next to me, this tall lanky six foot four guy sat down next to me and he was very gentle and understanding and he actually guided me by the arm to our vw van and drove me home and i don't even really mem i don't remember the drive so it's uh, we have to know what our triggers are and as much as possible arrange the environment i probably shouldn't have gone to that game at that particular time not that i should never go to a game but do you understand what i'm saying and I'm sure it wasn't logical to anybody else in my family that I had to leave the game early because then I got the questions the next day. Why, why did you leave? What was going on? What are you doing? What's the problem? You know, it's like, fix yourself. And I couldn't fix myself. And you can't fix yourself. But just as much as we want to be gentle and understanding and empathetic with our children and arrange the environment for them to feel safe we need to do the same for ourselves as much as possible and here's another example when my husband and I travel by plane he's really stressed by the airport protocols you would never know it he's not you wouldn't see it on his face or anything like that but he doesn't like standing in the line checking the baggage and waiting I'm totally fine with those things I just like, you know what, this is what you have to do. But when we actually get on the plane, that's when my stress begins. But once we are on the plane, he breathes a sigh of relief and he stops talking. And this is when I need someone to talk to me. So which one of us is right? Well, both of us. We both have to take responsibility and arrange our environments to suit ourselves. Like I have to have... And when I get on the plane, I just have something loaded, ready to listen to an audiobook or a PDF to read through and start filling out and answering questions, something. I have to have something to do. Okay, number two, talk about your past, i.e. tell your story. And there are several options for you to consider. Find a therapist a counselor, a life coach, a friend of mine who had been going to a counselor for years for some trauma from her past. And she was working through that. She, after years of counseling, she switched to a life coach because she said, I, I was just ready to talk about my future instead of talk about my past. So you need to decide where you are because A counselor is good for helping you work through what you've been through, but a life coach is like, okay, what's next? Let's get a plan going. Let's move on. Let's proactively decide what's next. And another thing you can do is journal your triggers. And while you're journaling, don't just dump out everything and then leave it. Dump it out on the page and then say, what's in my past? What's presently true? What's true right now? And what is fear trying to tell you about the future? Is fear telling the truth about the future? Or is fear telling you what happened in the past is also going to happen in the future? So we need to be discerning. We need to figure those out. And I think about that scripture, that I love that says, God has not given unto us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a disciplined mind. And some translations say self-disciplined mind. And I think doing those journaling exercises, it takes self-discipline to go back over what we've written and tell that fear, you know, you are not in charge of me. I'm going to just make sense of this, and I'm going to figure out which one of these things is actually true right now. And also, just telling our story to an empathetic listener helps us make sense of it. You know, I have friends who have had trauma in their past or also have a capital letter syndrome, and I can go to coffee with them, and I will come home like refreshed and renewed because when I talk to them, they totally get it. It's not... Telling someone something and they're like, I don't understand you at all. Or, you know, especially when you're talking to someone who had no big trauma in their past and you're, you're trying to share your story with them and they just don't understand. So tell your story to an empathetic listener. and empathy is different than sympathy. Sympathy is kind of like, you know, I really feel bad for you, but empathy is I feel what you're feeling. I feel it. I understand. And we parents often believe that our past, that is the way that we were raised, is just a book on a shelf of memories. It's not. Triggers are where past and present intersect. We can't assume that our past isn't affecting our present parenting. And that's from How to Have Peace When Your Kids Are in Chaos. I'm going to share one more example before I get on to number three. My vacation trigger. You're probably going to think, man, this lady is falling apart. All she shares are all these stories of things that happened to her. Now last, (laughs) I'm not falling apart, only on certain days. (laughs) But last week I shared about a vacation trigger, the tunnel trigger that my son had. Um, we were going to the beach. Well, I had a, I have a vacation trigger too, a uh, vacation trigger story. When we were heading to the beach, we hadn't even left yet. We were just, you know, getting ready to pull out of our driveway and like our suburban was packed to the hilt. There was no room left. The kids were excited to go on vacation. I wanted to go, but I was literally on the verge of a panic attack because we had last minute had to change our plans about where we were going. So before we weren't going to the beach, we were going somewhere else and that kind of fell through. So flexibility is not one of my strong suits. So the present environment just really triggered this memory. When I was younger, my siblings and I had to travel to visit my dad. My parents got divorced when I was really young. And so weeks became... Weeks before he came to pick us up, my stomach would just get in this knot and I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. And since he moved to a different state every year, I didn't know where we were going and no one told me. And just just to let you know, we shouldn't mem- minimalize, I can say that word, minimalize our pain in that moment. At that moment, my son-in-law spoke up. So my oldest daughter was the only one married at that time on this particular trip. And he said, Kathleen, the trip is about blank hours long. We're going to go on blank interstates and through this many tunnels. And I just, I just started crying like these silently, like these tears are dripping down my cheeks in relief. I felt safe because he understood my fear and he met me where I was even though I hadn't said a word. And man, that's empathy. That's empathy. Okay, number three. Find coping mechanisms that help, i.e., what you need. Put the coping mechanisms into practice. Often when we don't feel safe, we can't cope. And it's really difficult to parent when we can't cope. Helping ourselves find coping mechanisms will help us be more present and mindful and connecting parents. Mindfulness. So finding out what coping mechanisms you need requires mindfulness in the moment. What's going on? Even if you know what triggers you, knowing what will help you cope and recover to a place of feeling safe is a whole new ballgame. It may mean some trial and error. Some of us need deep breathing exercises. Some of us need a snack in our pocket. And others may need something more active. I'm just going to share with you some of my coping mechanisms. And here's my list. Hiking, kayaking, swimming. Walking, and when my kids were little and I was pushing them on the swings in our yard, I would just walk laps around the yard and give them another push, walk another lap, give them another push. Rollerblading with my kiddos, swinging and singing. You might feel a little bit odd to do that, but you know what? Kids love it. And plus, if you sing geography songs, they will remember them forever. My kids still say, we remember all those songs we sing. Dancing, biking, journaling, writing. And so, you know, when I walk, row, or swim, my mind processes things and it sorts things out. For example, one afternoon I received several pieces of news about a future event that I wasn't prepared for. Plus, I needed to make a quick decision about this event. I walked to the lake and dragged my kayak off the rack and paddled around the lake for an hour and a half. I told my daughter Audrey later how I'd processed and made a decision to which she replied mom you're stemming. It's okay. It was all right. I figured it out and stemming is okay. It should be okay. Be mindful and by trial and error figure out what works for you. You may find that you have a few coping mechanisms, but you aren't practicing them because they aren't socially acceptable. Yikes. Society, man. Sometimes they drive our behaviors and directions. They don't need to be driven. We need to be able to cope. While being mindful is important, so is changing or lowering your expectation. If If you want to both cope and fit into the cultural expectation at the same time, like I said last week, those expectations are going to have a fight and one of them is going to win. Listen, I would rather have someone walk by the playground and me singing at the top of my lungs on a swing. Hopefully there's a kid nearby because that makes it a little bit more socially acceptable, but no, it doesn't matter. That's how, that's one of the ways I cope. Now, if you come to my house, you will find that I have a rocking chair and on my front porch, I have two egg swings. I mean, whatever you need, whatever you need, this is your life. It's your home. It's your kids. And if you want to have peace and cope, you need to figure out your coping mechanisms to feel safe. For the sake of your felt safety, let cultural expectations go. Whose rules are we following? Plus, if you swing and sing at the park, you will be surprised at how many people will smile. When you rollerblade, hike, swim, kayak, bike with your kiddos for your own felt safety, you have the bonus of more connection time with them. And here's the thing, if somebody sees you doing something that you think Oh my gosh, they're just going to judge me so much for doing this in public. This is what I say to myself, and this is what I've always told my kiddos. You are giving them something to talk about over their dinner tonight, and that's great. So helping ourselves feel safe requires an investment of our time. Connecting to our inner kiddo. Gentleness, kindness, and empathy. Fear isn't logical. Fear is a bully who brings the past into the present and convinces us that it's our future as well. Until we feel safe, our triggers will be at war with our kiddos' triggers. We will be stuck emotionally. If we want to make peace and sense with our past, felt safety is key. Okay, so that's all I have to say about that particular topic today, but I had a couple other things I'm going to quickly finish up with. I mentioned mentioned last week that um, I was going to be offering 25 Days of Thriving Through Christmas, an Advent devotional, a free chapter of that. So I've decided to do a seven-day challenge. So what is 25 Days of Thriving Through Christmas? It's an Advent devotional I wrote for adoptive and foster families, and I've also adapted it for families of kiddos with capital letter syndromes. It provides an insightful, practical, and it's an encouraging resource for parents navigating the Advent season. This book fills a void for families as to ideas and guidance of not just surviving the Christmas season with children who have experienced trauma or have a capital letter syndrome, but also thriving. Let's move to thriving. With daily applicable, what is it with my words today? I'll just say scripture readings (laughs) and practical suggestions. This tool for helping families will become an annual tradition So what it includes are daily tips, tools, and scriptures. These tips and tools will help your family thrive, not just survive. Weekly readings for just for you, parent. One on Joseph, one on Mary, one on the wise men, and one on Jesus. Each one is a thought-provoking lesson, and it's just for you on the weekends. So what does the seven-day challenge include? I will be providing you with a free chapter, some videos, daily tips, and a biblical application. There, I said it that time. So I will be, I'll be sharing that with my email list first, the place to sign up. So if you're not on my email list, you need to get on that. Just get on the homepage of TraumaInformedParenting.com. And click get your free chapter and that even if you don't want that chapter that that will just get you on my email list also I sent the connect instead of correct guide I talked about last week to my email subscribers I'll be sharing a link soon for you to sign up and receive your copy if you're not following me yet via email and the main reason I created this PDF connect instead of correct Is that it is so easy to fall into a pattern of correcting without connecting. Because I didn't know exactly what my kiddos needed. They didn't feel safe and they couldn't regulate. I got stuck in that correcting vortex. Right after the adoption, like that's where I lived. Correct, correct, correct. Is that you? Do you feel as if your true connection with your child is practically non-existent? Your relationship is built on the foundation of correction. You are lobbying, instructions, lecturing, yelling, and not getting the results you desire. I get it. That's why I created this PDF. And in this PDF, just imagine I'm sitting down with you and having a cup of coffee. I'm here to encourage you. You can parent in a different way. You can parent in a connected way. I'm going to show you how to have a deeper, meaningful, more connected relationship with your child. You can get your parenting mojo back, meet her needs, help her feel safe and co-regulate when she can't regulate. And that's what's in the three P- in the PDF is those three tips I'm gonna dig into deeper. Felt safety, co-regulation, and understanding that there is a need behind every behavior. So I'll dig into those deeper. And like I said, I will share that link. I'll start sharing it on social media when I have a little landing page set up for it. But I already shared the PDF with my email group. So if you want to get on my list and I will send it out again. So thanks for joining me today and I hope you enjoyed all my bloopers with words today. And I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on traumainformedparenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find Trauma Informed Parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at Parenting.com.